Exodus chapter 24, and then we're going to go to Exodus 32. Exodus 24 and verse 17. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mount in the eyes of the children of Israel. Everyone say, they saw it. And when Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount, and Moses was in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. Chapter 32, just one verse, the commencement of that chapter, verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses... The man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we what not. We don't know what has become of him. And I preach lost in the wait. In Jesus' name, anoint me and the people. Add a blessing to your already anointed word, to all those who would hear the word today. Let it minister grace unto the hearers. Let it give direction to our lives and the path that we are on. I pray, Lord, that we would have a sense of the moment that we live in, the hour and the time. I pray that the gift that was given to the tribe of Issachar would be given to this congregation, that we would understand the times. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I pray. I'm only a vessel, Lord. You are the speaker. You are the leader. You are the king. You are the shepherd. You are the God of glory. If you don't guide us, we have no guide. If you're not with us, we can go nowhere. We don't want a format or a ceremony, Lord. We want you. We want you to speak to us today, Lord Jesus. Change our hearts and our lives, I pray. Yes, Jesus. And I thank you for standing. You may be seated. Thank you.
I've heard a thousand sermons by many men, perhaps more from my own mother. She preached my way through all of my teenage years. There were a few ministers that would come through our church that preached in a very graphic way. In those years, a preacher once depicted the events, the sights and sounds of Israel's great escape from Egypt. He then went on to write of it. Another author wrote of the same, the night of all nights, the ninth of the tenth plague. Both of them drew the picture of the angel of death with tones of darkness and echoes of anguish. It was the inception of what we know as the Passover. Few things in our life can compare to such events as those plagues were unloosed and then they untangled Pharaoh's harrowing grip on the children of Israel. Then the passing through the Red Sea on dry ground became Israel's pivot point. Their historical and Hebrew writers still consider the moment supreme in all of their teachings. The psalmist will replay the scene many times over. The prophets of old will follow suit. Nothing was greater than the crossing of the Red Sea, both as a type and shadow and as a turning point in the annals of time. In sequence, the Passover marked the finality of God's judgment against Egypt and his subsequent deliverance of his own people. And then 50 days later, the law will be given on Mount Sinai. I read it to you. When they crossed over, they were set free from Egypt, but they were yet aimless, still bound by their flesh. All of them had been born into captivity. They had no established boundaries or protocols among them until Sinai. The law would be given by God on the foot of that great mountain. It had to be. People that are set free from sin are not complete. Prison life does not teach anyone how to live free. Without the guidance from God through Moses, Israel would surely digress. Sinai was always in the plan of God. Sinai was the precursor of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, Easter, Pesach. It is the new covenant written in our hearts, but it also comes with constraints and the binding of our own will. Moses will make the journey up the side of that mountain. His older brother Aaron will be left in charge to manage the people, most of which are still dealing with the memories of false worship they learned in Egypt. While Moses ascends into the mountain to meet with God, a multitude of people Below will appeal to Aaron to make them a golden calf. We're not certain how long Moses has been gone when they turn to the Egyptian god Asix, the bull god. The guests, the best guests, the scholars of many decades and centuries ago have said that it could have been around the 30-day mark. 
The people took their jewelry and Aaron melted it down. Then he crafted the calf and they began their low levels of debauchery, worshiping around that inanimate object. By their own admission, are you ready, ladies and gentlemen? Can you hear it today? By their own words, their own acknowledgement, they disclosed the depth of the carnal mind and it came in the form of impatience. They said, we don't know where Moses has gone and we don't know when he's going to return. They admitted that if Moses hadn't taken so long, if his journey up that smoldering mountain would have been shorter, they would have not strayed. Truth and devotion was not in their heart. The God of their deliverance was subject to time. Can you imagine it? The cloud covered the face of that mighty peak and Moses was gathering the path for living, which was for their benefit, but he was gone too long and they set him aside and set all the things aside. They said, he brought us out, but we don't know what has happened to him. We don't know if he's coming back. We don't know where he's gone. Moses is not in our midst and because he's gone, we need to do something. We need to worship. We got to do something. The implication is clear. Had Moses not left them for that length of time, they might have refrained from seeking a golden God. But because Moses was out of sight, because he had tarried too long, they pressed the issue and broke off their golden earrings, read it in your Bible, and offered them to Aaron to make for them a symbol they could see. They did not wait for Moses. They could not wait. A month with no voice was too long for them. 35 days without their leader, they wrote him off. 39 or the full 40 days, which was the length of time Moses was gone. It was far past their point of acceptance. And by the time Moses made his way back down the mountain, many of them had devolved into sinful practices rooted in the place of their former bondage. The weight destroyed them. Moses was gone and they could not stand in reverence for a mere six weeks. And the nail I'm driving into this wood today, I pray, is so deep that it will never come out. All those plagues that Moses levied against the Egyptians were dismissed as old news. All those wonders which God had performed vanished from their thinking. The Passover, who could forget it? They did. The crossing of the Red Sea, the walls of water they beheld as they walked through the dry, compacted seabed floor. All of it was laid to waste when they lost themselves in the weight. The weight drew out their true colors. The weight exposed the real condition of their spirits. The weight reveals our nature and it, and it really has an effect on our faith in God. It disturbs our faith in God. All the signs given to them were not enough. I hope you can hear this. Signs, ladies and gentlemen, are not enough. They're not going to keep you. There have been many people that have had miracles and signs in their own family and they're backslidden today. They've seen the wonders of God, healings and incredible things and revelations, but they're nowhere to be found because they got lost in the wait. Miracles as breathtaking as those magnificent pillars of fire and of cloud that protected them and gave the people light. None of it was remembered when they were caught in that weight. The weight is a holding pattern like a plane that has long since taken off and yet not made it to its final destination, just hovering above until an opening is made. Who can know when it will be? 
It's in the weight the decisions are made to be found or to be lost. People take matters into their own hands in that time. They listen to voices that lead them astray. Innocent souls have been caught up, often caught up, in the frenzy of false assumptions. And as I grace this desk today, I realize how the end of time will be. It will be according to the words of Jesus Christ, who already prophesied of these days. He spoke of ten virgins, five wise and five foolish Five made it and five were left. Those that were foolish were not foolish because of worldliness. They were not foolish because of false beliefs. They were foolish because they had it in their power to make it to the wedding. And yet, I'll read it for you. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all of them rose up. They all turned down their lamps, made, and then, and then made, made them light up a little bit and, and, and illuminated. And the foolish said to wise, give us out of your oil. Our lamps are gone out. So I say today, make your own assumption. What does the oil represent for your life? What did they lose that caused them to miss, miss all of it in the end? Was it joy? Was it the Holy Ghost? Was it passion for the kingdom? Was it devotion or consecration? They let it wane. They would spend their lives abstaining from the wrong thing, untainted from the world, only to be lost at the midnight cry. The weight drained them of what they had when they began. They didn't start out the way they ended. Like many folks start out on fire, but they end in the smoldering ashes, doused out with the things of this world. Five were ready, but the others were found in complacency, perhaps even nonchalant living about this whole matter. And upon the entry and announcement that the bridegroom had come, half were left behind. Because in the wait, people are separated from the truth. The wait has a way of weeding out people. It exposes the nature of the heart. It can strengthen us, seal our resolve, or it can separate us and steal our joy and I'm preaching today that this is no trivial matter this is not the time ladies and gentlemen to lose your passion for the kingdom or your desire for the things of God this isn't the time to quit church or stop giving or stop serving if anything this is the time to be filled up every day all the time more Holy Ghost more anointing more worship more dancing more sacrificing If there was ever a day for you to get on fire, today is the day. If there was ever a day for you to give your whole life and be sold out, now is the time. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost in this house. I think I can preach with nobody here. I can can preach with a dead crowd. I can preach with a lively crowd. I'm preaching the word of the Lord today. Now is the time. Don't get lost in the wait. I got a hammer and nail down deep so you don't lose it. Yes. Yes. In fact, in that period of time, it's the best time to purge your spirit. Of every issue that confounds you. Be careful, saints of God. Be sober. Be diligent. Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Don't think you're above being devoured. You could be devoured so quickly. Many have thought they would never lose it, and they did. It happens in that time when you feel dry. Come on. You're going to tell me you've never felt dry? 
Haven't you felt dry before? Haven't you felt dry recently? Haven't there been moments when you felt like, man, I, I don't feel the spirit like I used to feel. Been a little while since you've seen the things that you desire to see. And they get a little dry from time to time. But don't die in the dry. Get up and do something. Even if you know it's, it's that you just motivated yourself to do something. Provoke yourself to good works. Do something. In fact, if you're waiting on the feeling, you might be waiting a long time. It might just be good to get up and do something without the feeling. Because you can't afford to die in the wait. Consider now, Samuel told Saul to wait for him to come. The battle laid out in front of them all. I'll just summarize the portion here. The Philistine army was ready for the battle. It happened at Gilgal and King Saul needed the favor of the Lord as every battle required. It would come in the form of a sacrifice, but it would be made by the hands of Samuel who occupied the role of the prophet and the priest. Samuel had appointed the time seven days. Think of that now. The prophet Samuel set the time. It was his to make. He could have said three days or five days or ten days, but no, Samuel, the mighty prophet of the Lord, set the time. Wait for me seven days. I'll be there in that time. Saul the king, however, was anxious. A mighty army advanced before him, and he also saw his own people begin to leave. Many of his army, many of his men. Saul was watching the people walk away, and when he realized that Samuel was late, perhaps not coming at all, that Samuel had had not shown up at the appointed time that Samuel had set. He tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed, but Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring me the offering. I'll make the offering. Verse 10, it came to pass that as soon as he made an end of the offering, the burnt offering, behold, the prophet finally shows up. Saul goes out to meet him, to salute him. And the prophet says, what have you done? And here's the excuse. Well, see, I I saw the people leaving. You weren't here when you said you were going to come. And I said, the Philistines will come down to me and Gilgal. They're going to destroy me. I'm going to be destroyed. I've not done. This has not been done. Here, look at verse 12. I force myself. It's not my fault. I force myself. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever, had he just obeyed in the wait. Uh Uh-oh. But now the kingdom shall not continue. The kingdom was lost, ladies and gentlemen, in the wait. The monarch was turned over in the wait, but it could have easily been won in the wait. You don't know how many victories can happen while you're waiting. Hey, when I'm waiting on the Lord, he's going to fight my battle. I rise to say to all of you, you don't know how good God can be. He can be the greatest God in your time of trouble, in your time of bewilderment. When you're waiting, he'll establish you forever. feel like preaching here a little bit today if I could just hold steady and stand still and when I'm dry I still know he's on the throne 
kingdom was lost. It was turned over. All that could have been and should have been disbanded, dismissed, wasted away because the weight has the ability to bring to the surface the true intent of the heart of the person. Please excuse me here. My grammar is about to take a downturn. I'll forewarn you and to my children and to their friends, no, you may not use this verbiage. There are a couple of banned words in our home, big. There are other adjectives besides big. L-I-K-E, like. I was like wanting to go like to the store like and cut that out. So I ask for forgiveness. So what? So what? If Samuel was late, so what? (laughs) I learned that from my brother Scotty when he said that to my mom and dad. He shouldn't have said that. (laughs) He was like Lewis and Clark in our family. He was paving the way. I probably did the same thing, but I knew how not to get caught. (laughs) So what? If the prophet was late, he's still the prophet. And the sacrifice was his to make and his alone, not yours. So what if Samuel did not come at his own appointed time? He was still the man appointed by God to wear the ephod and make the sacrifice. Not you, King Saul. Who did King Saul think he was? And where did the roles go? Where did all of us lose respect or the proper respect for the roles of God? Did Saul think he could command the prophet like he did one of his servants or military men? And when I say Saul, I mean you. Because some people don't make the connection, so I just have to explain myself. But Saul, like many people, want to dictate the man of God for their own means. The scepter was no replacement for the anointing. Positions do not make the man. Not the degreed person. Not the intellect person. Not the well-read person. They're never more qualified than the anointed prophet that's in your life. Now, you don't have to clap for that. I'm just going to preach the truth here. Saul was the king of Israel, but kingship never takes precedent over the, over the prophet regardless of the weight. But for Saul, arrogance came to the surface, independence was lifted high, and submission was buried low. Rationale is an affliction of the American mind, but it also became Saul's undoing because obedience was lost. And, and subjectivism was gained. Common sense ruled the moment, not honor. And I'm witnessing the same spirit rise among the people who claim to, be, claim to be believers. We are rushing to make decisions and running to decide what we want. The absence of the spiritual voice has caused many to make their own declarations of what they think is right and wrong based on the situation. It means we've created our own version of situational ethics, except in our case, we use prayer as a tool, not real prayer. 
and advice from people we think are godly, spiritual, to override the spiritual role of God in our life. Oh, the Spirit said this, but what do you think? And the pastor told me this, but what do you think? This happens a lot when I have pastors, kids, and, 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 grand, and, and, and men and women whose grandfather or uncle are pastors. I'm not the final word. Because if you don't like what I say, you can just go to your family relative who also is an anointed person and ask their opinion. I might just lay it all in line. The people that I birth in here are different than the people who transfer in here. And until you transfer me, you're just going to be a transfer. The transfers say to me, we love it because we agree with what you're preaching. But the people I birth believe whatever I preach. So if I, if I got Abraham Lincoln in the ark, that's good enough for them. Oh, I was just going to tell you, Alexi Johnston was a teenage girl in our church. And a young man who had a sister in the church fell in love with her. <laughs> and he started to come to church. <laughs> Whew, I can sing Mr. Bailey's daughter right now. Never mind. And the young man started coming. He liked the church, but probably, if truth be told, he was attracted to Lexi. He's a smart guy. And he started to come, and the Lord started working on him. And he got baptized. Things were, were going good, but And he took me to lunch one day. And I think he might have been a little nervous. We sat down at lunch and he was trying to get this out to ask for blessings if it was okay. And I looked across at the table at Tico and he wouldn't eat very much. He had a little bite, then he waited. And I just was eating, man. I was enjoying myself. And, and, and he had one bite and wiped his mouth and just kind of put the sandwich down there and do you remember that day? And he had never done this before. No one ever, never, no one ever showed him. I don't know. Maybe his sister Annie told him this is what you need to do. And this was a, this was a tough thing. And he's looking at me. He doesn't know what I'm going to say. And he's asking. He liked, really would like to have permission and blessings to marry, marry Alexi. And I, and, and, and I, I, I wasn't hard on him. I just asked him some questions, you know, and, and, and went through. And, and he never finished his sandwich. Maybe just three or four bites of his sandwich. I had devoured mine. I was thinking, I wonder if he's going to eat the rest of his. I could just take it right now. I got no problem eating your food. <laughs> and the difference between him and someone else who has another voice is that he got he's got no one to go to but me that that's the onus and the burden on me 
because I got a millstone mindset not to offend or to mislead, but I need God to speak to me. And I can't afford to abuse the saints of God. But I also wonder, where did the roles go? Taking too long, Pastor. I had to make a decision. See, the carnal mind mocks that, that statement. The carnal spirit mocks what I'm preaching. That mind says that waiting is for the people that are brainwashed. Our waiting is, is an answer for the simple-minded. But I say today, the wait's going to prove who you are. And you can be lost in the wait, or it can be the greatest teacher and blessing that has ever come to your life. James said it like this, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. How about that? But let patience have her perfect work. If I ask you to raise your hand, you probably would do it out of peer pressure. But I'm asking you today, will you let patience have her perfect work in your life so that you can be perfect entirely and want nothing? Because you don't learn how to, you don't learn how to abstain from want until you're in the weight, the trying of your faith. It starts to mold you. Because you want to have a word. You want to see somebody. You want to have a tangible voice and a person in front of you. Or as Jesus said, in your patience, possess ye your souls. You take possession of your life in the weight. You take possession of your anointing in the weight. You keep the kingdom in the weight. And when you are patient and you're waiting on God and you're waiting, surely you can look up and see in the mountain. Moses is up in the mountain. There's fire in that mountain. But when you forget, see, this is something about the Lord. Are we okay today? I feel like we were okay about 10 minutes ago and now, now we're... We're not okay. <laughs> Jesus didn't run to heal Lazarus. Oh, no, he didn't. That was his friend. The man with whom he had broken bread many times, stayed at his house, had a, had a, had a strong relationship with the family, was always in Bethany. He loved Lazarus. The hospitality and care and comfort that Lazarus gave, the open-door policy that the Lord was given and that Jesus enjoyed at the request of Lazarus anytime our home is your home. Here's verse 6 of John 11. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he didn't go anywhere. In fact, he stayed two more days in the same place that he was. He purposely, deliberately waited for Lazarus to die. And then of all things, when it finally happened, when he finally died and someone said he's dead, Jesus turned to his disciples and he said this, Lazarus is dead and I'm glad. We don't want a preacher like that. We don't want a pastor like that. But you're serving a God like that. Had Jesus gone when he was called, the revelation of who he was would not have been known. 
But we think that it's all about us making us suffer. We think that the weight is all about our needs and what's good for us. Because his sisters came and said, Lord, had you been here, he wouldn't have died. See, the problem was they had a limited view of who Jesus was. They saw him as a healer, but they never knew he was the resurrection and the life. See, in the weight, you find out the greater portion of God. Not when he shows up when you snap your fingers, but when you're waiting and you don't know what to do and everything's going down and the situation went from bad to worse and Jesus finally shows up and you say, had you come here earlier, we'd have been fine. But the Lord says to you, I want to show you something about myself that's greater than you know. You wouldn't have known it if you had not waited. I don't know if this is translating to you, but I'm preaching about a spiritual reality. I'm preaching about something that grinds at the flesh, but it opens up a godly spirit in you. I'm preaching about something that matters in the realm where God sits. He is going to give you the benefit of the world and establish you. You cannot die in that time you're waiting Listen, Jacob worked seven years for the hand of Rachel. Seven years for the hand of his bride. Seven years for his soon-to-be father-in-law. And you want to come and tell me, I'm in love, we're getting married next week. Okay. Fire, water. Everybody excited? No. Clapping that one. We ain't clapping for that one. Sometimes we get pinched in a little box. Respond. Now, now. I got to have this now. One person even told me, had you laid your hands on me before I got sick, I wouldn't have gotten this way. Hold on a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Many years ago, this happened to me, and I was so stunned and flat-footed. And I keep telling you, you know, I would be killed if, if, it, if I had the old Western. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't draw my gun because I was trying to figure out why they were so ugly. What are you talking about? What if God put you through that because he's trying to teach you something? What if God is putting you through that just so he can craft you so that you can get your way into heaven? Because you're so big right now. you got so many expectations right now. You have thoughts about God that are not true. You couldn't even fit through the pearly gates because your head's so huge and your ego and your pride so big. He's got to bring you to the point where you can fit in a narrow way because broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life everlasting. Oh, yes, I'm preaching today. I'm pounding a nail in, in this wood here today. I don't ever want it to come out. I don't want to be lost in my waiting time. I want to be found in my waiting time. I want to be established in the waiting time forever and ever and ever and ever. This is not my word. 
saints. It's not the word of an intellectual person. I'm not that. It's not the word of a humanistic person. I'm not that. This is not the word of power, positive thinking. I'm not that. It's not the word of a man. It's not some philosophical point of view. This is the word of God. And I'm going to give you the word of God in Isaiah 40. Are you ready? This, you ought to underline this in your Bibles. You ought to put this on your, you ought to put this on your refrigerator. In fact, every time you come up against a decision and you don't know what to do, you ought to get this scripture out. You ought to open up your Bibles and you ought to read it out loud to yourself. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the young people shall faint. They'll be weary. The young man, he's going to fall down. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Those people that are waiting on the Lord, they're going to run. They're never going to get weary. Those people that are waiting on God, they're going to walk and they're never going to stumble. They're never going to faint. You ought to clap your hands unto the Lord as an affirmation of the word of God in your life. Wait on the Lord. He didn't forget you. He didn't leave you. He hasn't abandoned you. God did not turn his back on you. He did not turn his face against you. The Lord has been for you all this time. Oh, yes. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. I feel the Spirit of God speaking to us right now. Choose to be found or to be lost in that period of time. Choose. Choose whether or not you need God more than you need an immediate answer. See, they that don't wait on the Lord get frustrated. Not only do they not renew their strength, but they become weak. They don't mount up with wings as eagles because they're walking in the lowlands and misery loves company. So usually they find another person that's miserable and they share their grief. And then together they walk hand in hand. And then... Not only are they weakened and can't run, but they're, they're angry at people who are. And they look around and see other people succeeding and getting the desires of their heart. And then they become bitter. And bitter also loves company. In fact, there are, there are no isolated cases of bitterness. The most contagious disease in the world is bitterness. Reading your Bible... Many are defiled by one root of bitterness. And when I stand here to say to you, cut off everyone who's bitter against God and the church. It's not because I'm just an angry little man over here trying to say something to control anyone's lives. Because I know you're going to get infected. And many have. We like to have an answer. Yes, me too. And when I get it. I'll give it to you. But until then, I'm not making something up just to make you happy. <laughs> so don't think you're the only one waiting on God. I'm waiting on him too. I'm waiting on God every day. 
And when I close this book today and I drive out of this parking lot, I'm asking God, what do you want for the people? Because I know a week from now, I'm going to stand up in this pulpit. I'm going to be preaching the word of the Lord. And Lord, you got to speak and you got to tell me what you want. I'll just wait on you. Sometimes he gives it to me on Monday. Sometimes I'm in the early mornings and I'm praying and I'm reading my Bible on Tuesday. But there's been a couple times he didn't speak to me until about 10 o'clock on Saturday night. And thank God the Holy Ghost fell on Saturday night in my office and I've spoken in tongues many times and laid on the floor because finally God said what he was going to say the next day. I've got to wait on him. I don't open up this book and try to find somebody's copy and pasted sermon. I'm going to have a fresh word from God. i got to wait for a fresh word from God. Come on, I want you to be found. I want you to be established in your time. I want you to be strengthened in your weight. Help me. I'm not getting angry, Lord, but in my time waiting on you to come, I'm going to worship you, Lord. I'm going to keep the joy going and the Holy Ghost alive. Uh, uh. stand with me right now lift up your hands right now to God you have to make the commitment to the Lord yes Lord I'm waiting on you now Lord I'm you're teaching me something in this time Uh, you're going to give power to the faint people that are weak are going to give strength Strong men will fall before I'll fall. Strong people will will get weary before I'll get weary. Yes, yes, yes. I commit. I commit this to you now. I commit this word to you right now, Lord. Yadabo shayaba satayaba hatadaba shayaba kasata. Close your eyes with me and just try to keep them closed for as long as you can. Just think about the Lord and pray. That's right.